one of the things that we are doing as we continue in our series here on the people uh, who love is I think we're seeing a side effect of that is that in our conversations that becomes, I have, I've noticed that it becomes increasingly a common part of the conversation uh, that they reference is made to, well, this act of service or that act of service or when I opened my envelope or this challenge challenged us to do this and all of those kind of things. And I, I, I think that that is significant because what that means is that it's not just a sermon series, but rather it is a series that is helping us get focused more clearly on what it means to be a person who loves and that loving is more than just the emotion that there's an action that goes along with it and so I hope that that's that is what you're discovering as as we go through this series and today we're going to be talking about this the word for the day uh, is turn and in the in John Weiss's book the Jesus prom some of you are reading that You may remember that on the chapter on turn, he began by telling a story about something that had happened in their staff. staff. He talked about how their staff enjoys uh, playing practical jokes on each other Uh, and how that one day someone got into his office just prior to him having a very important meeting in his office, that he was hosting a meeting with several distinguished, as I believe is the word that John used, ministers and religious leaders within the Lexington community, Lexington, Kentucky community. And they were in his office, and only after the meeting was over did he notice that someone had gotten into his office, taken the family picture out of the the frame, and put a picture of Jackson 5 in the family picture that was on the, behind his desk the whole time. Now, for some of you, Jackson 5, those were, those were Michael Jackson's brothers and sisters. You know, never mind. But what, he, what John Weiss said was, if I had only turned around, I could have saved myself. That embarrassment, none of the men who were there in his, in his office for that meeting said any com- made any comment, said anything about the picture, indicated anything, but John was thinking... Oh man, I've had all these guys in my office and they're looking at me thinking, why does this young guy have a picture of the Jackson 5 on his desk? I will just simply tell you this, that should you visit any of our offices, mine or Brian's or Matt's or Jose's, and you see something somewhat out of place, Please do not be alarmed. Just rejoice that one of us did the same thing to uh, to somebody else. I have I I came in one time and I found my family picture had been replaced. Uh, I won't tell you what was in my family picture, but I did save it, and it will be repurposed at another time. (laughs) We enjoy that. We have fun with one another. We love one another. And uh, sometimes we share love in those kind of ways. 
But what John was talking about and what the scripture talks about as we take a look at 1 John today is that love does require a turn. And the turn we're going to be talking about today, we're going to look at it from, John, from 1 John chapter 2. Um, I, I, do want you to, I do want to just call, call your attention to this. In Proverbs chapter 14, 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. There's a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. How do we avoid the death? We avoid the death by turning, by turning our course around, by turning away from that which leads to death. So today in 1 John, the Apostle John here in chapter 2 is, is talking about what it means to turn, and it's a very specific turn that he's, that he's calling us to make. So if you have your Bibles, 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, and this is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. If they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going shows that none of them belong to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. This is the challenge that we're to turn from anything that would diminish who Jesus is. So I think we can summarize this section of Scripture by, by saying simply, turn from that which does not follow Christ. Turn from that which does not follow Christ. That sounds pretty generic, but it does give you a lot of leeway to be able to say, okay, this is, this is something that's not following Christ, therefore I do need to respond to this. Uh, in 1 John chapter, eight, here in the passage, in verse 18, John uses the word eschatos. Uh, it is the word that, from which we get the word eschatology, and eschatology is the biblical study of end times. You may have noticed that some late night TV preachers like to talk about this a lot. In fact, they want you to send them money to help them talk about this a lot more. When we talk about end times, we're talking about the period of time that began when Jesus returned to heaven. So we've been in the end times for quite a while now. But it doesn't mean that it is not urgent that we understand that we're in the end times. And it's interesting that the reason why that they, they call this the end times is not because someone wrote a book about it or made a movie about it or did anything of that nature. It is because that biblical scholars have found that from that period of time, there has been no other reference to any other event, any other time period until 
the Lord returns. And so they said, from when the Lord ascended into heaven until the Lord returns from there, these are the end times. Now, we can become complacent with that. Well, yeah, it's been going on for a long time. I, I, I think that we probably would concur. We're closer to the end than we were 2,000 years ago. But we don't know when the end is. And so what is important for us to understand is this is how we deal, this is how we live the life today. It may be that the Lord returns tomorrow. But here's how I live today. And it's interesting that John uses these two expressions. He talks about the end times and he talks about the Antichrist. And the Antichrist, one who is, literally means one who is an adversary or an opponent of the Messiah. Now at the bottom of the sermon page notes in the bulletin, you'll notice that I asked the question, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear either Antichrist or end times? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, If the first thing that comes to your mind is a movie, uh, uh, then, then, then I know what kind of movies you know. If because there have been a lot of movies that have that have dealt with that subject, why do we why do we have that interest? Well, because we want to know when the Lord's coming back. I find it interesting that John says what you need to know is how to live now. What John says is that you have to be aware that there are antichrists, and we. We say, okay, who is the Antichrist? It's an interesting study. Through centuries, there have been people who have been identified as the Antichrist. It seems like each period of history has somebody that somebody points to and says, that's the Antichrist. When when Theodore Roosevelt was president, he was a hero. When Franklin Delano Roosevelt came along... There were people who said, oh, he must be the Antichrist because he's doing all of these things and everybody is loving him. And they're confused that in, in Thessalonians and in Revelation, it talks about the man of lawlessness and it talks about this beast that is coming and they kind of lump the lawlessness, the beast, and Antichrist and they all kind of get put in the same pot. And what John says is, you understand that the Antichrists are present now in John's writing. And the way that he identifies them is they are those who will not believe, who do not accept, those who teach that Jesus Christ was not the Son of God in the flesh. Do we have any people today who would qualify as Antichrists? Because they do not believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God in the flesh. Yes, we do. James, John was saying there were people who had even been involved in that church who had gone out from there who were denying that and John says they were with us but they really weren't with us because they deny who Jesus is. In a world where it is increasingly difficult for a person to say, you know what, I really believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he did come in the flesh that he did die on the cross, that he did resurrect from the grave three days later, and that he did promise that he is coming back, that is a person 
who understands that the truth of the gospel has to be proclaimed. And those that would deny that are those that would be called the Antichrist. And they're numerous. And it doesn't matter that we go around saying, okay, that's the one, that's the one. It's been interesting. Adolf Hitler was considered to be the Antichrist. He did a lot of anti-Christian things, obviously. But we don't look at that and say, okay, this is the Antichrist. The Antichrist is the person that does not believe that Jesus Christ is God in, came as God in the flesh, that he really was the Son of God, that he did the things that he says he would, would do, and that he's coming back. That's what we're dealing with, and John wants us to understand that. John says, you need to understand and that what you have heard from the beginning, talking to the church, what you've heard from the beginning is true, and you need to turn from anything which does not follow Christ. Turn from anything that would take you away from the truth of the gospel that Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be. Now, I found this interesting picture. It is from the 13th century. And it is a picture in the... There you go. Now, wouldn't you like to have that picture on your wall? This came from a 13th century manuscript. It is a picture of the Virgin Mary fighting the beast. And this is typically the picture that we come up with. We've got to... When I look at that, you know, I I think, ah, good right, good right, good, good, good punch, good. Good place, good location. When I look at that, I, I hope we understand this. If false teachers looked like that, we wouldn't have any problem identifying them, would we? <laughs> oh, yes. Helen Keller could tell what you are. Yeah. I'll explain who she is later. <laughs> the problem is, that's not what it shows up as, right? We look at that and we go, oh, we've got to fight the Antichrist. John says... You have to understand that the Antichrist is a person who does not believe who Jesus is. And when we encounter that person, then we have to understand where they are coming from. In 2 John, in the the second letter of John writes, in verse 7, he makes the statement, Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the Antichrist. That's, that's verse 7, 2 John. Many who do not, many, and he calls them deceivers, who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh, have gone out into the world. So we have to turn from that which does not follow Christ. In other words, if I'm engaged in a conversation with someone and they say, well, yeah, I believe that Jesus was a good teacher, that philosophically he, he, he made a lot of sense, but I don't believe all that other stuff about him. That person, it won't do you any good, but you need to reflect in your mind, ah, Antichrist, because they have denied who Jesus is. Now, what do I do with that person? I need to understand that because of who they think Jesus is or because they do not accept who Jesus claimed to be, then that person 
is a person whose influence in my life needs to be carefully guarded. They may be my boss. They may be my teacher. They may be a person who is an influential person in my life. But I need to understand this, that if that's how they are going to approach Jesus, then I will look at everything else they do with a little bit of suspicion and caution. Because John said that kind of belief is what creates havoc within the church and with the society as a whole. Now, in the fourth chapter of 1 John, John gives us this instruction. And in fourth chapter of 1 John, he says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. All right, what's the common theme that we're getting here? John keeps coming back to this. You evaluate on how a person responds and what they believe about Jesus. You evaluate what do they believe to be about Jesus. Do they believe that Jesus is the revealed Son of God? Or do they look at him as just a good teacher? Why does John make such a big deal about this? And how does this affect how we love people? It's a big deal because if we don't understand where that person is coming from, they might have undue influence in our life. That may be a person who has undue influence in our life because I really like them. We say they're funny, we say they're clever. We say they're so smart. They do so many good things. And John says, how does that person respond to who Jesus is? That's the question. It sounds almost too simplistic. It might sound, well, yeah, there's a lot more to life than that, Dave. No, there's not. There's not a whole lot more to eternal life than that. And when I understand that, that affects how I live my life right now. That affects how I'm able to love people. John does not say, find the Antichrist and then be mean to him. He simply says, understand who that is and understand what they teach and don't allow them to have that undue influence in your life. Rather, love them in the name of Jesus. Rather, reach out to them and care for them. Brian has pointed out often, and rightly so, that while John is writing to encourage us to be the people who love, we're also to be the people who discern. We're also to be the people who think. We're also to be the people who care about truth. This letter from John that we talk about is so filled with love was written to counteract the false teaching, Gnosticism, that Jesus is really not who he says to be, that he claims to be. And John says, we're going to love people, but we're going to be fully aware 
of what they believe about Jesus because it will affect how we love that person. It doesn't mean that, well, if you don't believe the same thing I do about Jesus, I get to mistreat you. It just means that I need to understand that I have to love that person with the love that only God provides so that they might come to know who Jesus is in reality. That's one of the things that's so beautiful about 1 John. So much love, and yet in the midst of all of that, so much truth that has to be, adopt, has to be taught. And, and I think that this is what is important for us to understand about that. That John seems to be saying that the best way to counteract untruth is with love. If I seek to counteract untruth with anger, disrespect, hostility, if I seek to counteract untruth in any of those ways that don't reflect Jesus, I am not doing it the way God wants me to respond. Jesus confronted false teachers and loved them at the same time. So, not only do we need to understand we turn from that uh, which doesn't follow Christ. Here's the second step. It's why it's critical that we turn to that which does honor Christ. How do I do that? Because, frankly, there are some people that just really tick me off. Of course, not anyone here, of course. But you have that, you have that feeling? Do you have that person did a little picture just come to mind when I said that phrase? Oh, yeah. How do I respond to that person? John gives us a marvelous way to deal with that for that person. Verse 4, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. You are already the victor. You have overcome those who would teach falsely. I did? How did I do that? By committing my life to who Jesus really is. You, my dear children, are from God and you've overcome them. Do not be afraid of them. The picture that we had earlier was meant to make us afraid. Perhaps that was used as a teaching element back in the 13th century. But I don't have to fear, I've already overcome. John says so. Because, and here's why. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I can love people with whom I disagree, even when we disagree about who Jesus is, because of the one who is in me the Holy Spirit of God. And he's not in me because I won the lottery. He's not in me because I'm such a good guy. He is in me because by his grace, my sins have been forgiven and Christ has taken up residency in me. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That's so important for us to understand if we're going to be people who love one another. If I am, if I am going to be this kind of person, when he who is greater is within you, then you will have the confidence to face all the false teachers and all the tough problems that life brings your way. When he who is greater 
is when he who is greater is within you, you can say with the Apostle Paul, if God is for us, who can be against us? This is what's important for us to understand, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's me. And by accepting him, I have the opportunity then to have him take up residency within me. So how do I turn from that which does not follow Christ? I First of all, I have to recognize what is that false teaching. And that means I have to know what the truth is by being in God's word. That means that you hear something, kids, students, you hear something at school and you evaluate that from the truth of what you know in Scripture. You may have to write an answer on a paper. You say, I know this is what they believe and this is what the answer has to be. But I know this is what God's word says. I know my own value. I know my own worth because greater is he who is in me than he is who is in the world. I can turn from that because I have the strength from the one who is within me. I can't turn from that without that. I didn't turn from that until he was resident within me, right? So how do I now turn to that which honors Christ? Again, what John says is, we understand who God is. We understand what the word is. We hear people teach and we say, you know what? That is not true. And I make sure that I understand the truth. And when I have a question about what is true, I go to the word and I say, Father, help me to understand what this really means. Because I know that there is a way that seems right, but it's going to lead to death. And since I know that that is a possibility, I want to make sure that I turn to the right direction, that I turn to following Christ. What would happen if you, this week, said, Lord, I want to love people the way you love people, but I really want to be attentive to the truth of your word. We encourage people to say, God, give me somebody to love this week. And I want to add to that, God, give me a truth to recognize this week so that I might share that truth with someone else. That's what John was saying when he was saying, you have to be aware of who the Antichrists are. Those that do not understand who Jesus is. And you say, well, Dave, you know, Jesus just doesn't come up in the conversation. That probably ought to be an indication. That probably ought to be an indication that Jesus is not Lord of that person's life and in that circumstance. And then you say, but Dave, I don't bring Jesus up in my life. I don't bring Jesus up in my life. Then I would encourage you today, I would encourage you this week to say, Lord, help me to test everything that I encounter. You realize that when John 1, John chapter 4, verse 1, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. You realize that God says, you are in an environment where there is a lot of influence going on and God identifies them as spirits. God identifies them as 
truth or false? And he says, test it. We cannot afford to be Christians who go through life with a lazy mind. We can't afford to be a person who does not ask the question, God, is that true? You may have heard a few political campaign ads. (laughs) Test the spirits. It's enough to make you want to indulge in the spirits, but that's an entirely different thing. (laughs) Test for what's true. Test for what you believe according to what the scripture says. Test the spirit. Somebody calls you and says, hey, do you want to do this? Hey, I've got this great deal. Hey, I've got this opportunity for you. Just turn on your tester. Test the spirit. Is this true? Is this right? Is this something that will cause me to turn away from God or is this something that will draw me closer to God? Test it. Test the spirit because you've got to understand what John says is this is how you recognize the spirit of God. You begin to test every spirit and you begin to see a difference. Wow, there's a big difference between God and everything else. But I don't know that until I begin asking the questions. I don't know that until I begin testing. And when I begin to test the spirits, it's how I begin to know what God is. And I go, wow. God is greater. God is worthy of my praise. God is one in whom I can place my confidence. God is the one in whom I place my trust. That is why I test it. It's not because I'm afraid. It is because I want to know what is true. It is because God has said, you have to understand the world will have a lot of false teachers that will come your way. You need to understand and know the truth. It is time for the church to be the place that says this is the truth. We talk about love and grace and truth. And Jesus was all of that. He came in love, full of grace and truth. And so I exhibit grace. I live in love and I know truth. That's the way God wants us to live our lives. That's that's what happens. And the only way I do that, according to John, is I've got to just start being more aware. I've just start asking more questions. I need to test it and say, is this really true? Now, here's something else that I I want you to think about. In Romans chapter 8, Paul, in the end of the chapter of Romans chapter 8, he says, now in all these things, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, and that includes Antichrist, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither anything, neither heights nor depths nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ our Lord. Think about that. When I test it, I will come to this conclusion 
that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Nothing that I encounter will separate me from the love of God. That may be the message that you need to hear today. You believe that God loves you, but you don't know what to do with the love of God. You don't know how loving God is going to help you get through to this week. You know what's on your schedule. And the worst thing is, we don't know what else is on our schedule this week, but God does. Therefore, I can have this confidence. Now, here, here's the key issue. The important question then is, is he who is greater than the evil in the world? Is he actually in you? Is he in you? John's not saying that you possess enough strength in your own. God is not saying you've got more strength than you know. You've just got to suck it up, cupcake, and you've just got to be dig down deep, and you've just got to, got to do more. That's not what John is saying. Don't hear John say that. And the world will tell you, oh, you can do more than you think you can. And that's true, but that's not what God is talking about. God is talking about the one who was outside of you, who is now inside of you if you are a Christian. And you have to ask yourself the question, is he who is greater than the one who is greater in the world, is that one in me? Is he who is greater in me? You see, that's why I love Jesus' statement to his disciples that night, just hours before his, before his crucifixion, when he said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Nothing will separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that what's in me? Have you made the turn from that which does not follow Christ to that which honors Christ? Have you? Have you made that turn? When did you come to the realization that you did not have enough strength on your own? And you came to the realization that nobody has enough strength on their own to be freed from their past sin and to have hope for eternal life. When did you make that decision to turn over your life to God? And the reason that question is important is because I have found that there are often people who think, well, I think I did that. I just kind of, yeah, I believe all that. I, I, I love going to that church because I, 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 believe what they, I believe what they say. But have you made that turn? Have you turned from that which dishonors to that which follows and honors Christ? When was that decision made? Can you think back to that time? Was there that time? And here's why that's important. Because when I'm in the middle of it, there are times when I have to ask the question, do I really believe what I say I believe? I'm in the midst of something and, and everything seems to be coming unwound around me. And I'm like, do I really believe what I claim to believe? And I go back and I say, yes, because I did this. This was where I turned my life over to God. Turn. He who is greater than in 
he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, but only if he has been invited to be in you. He surrounds you, but only when you turn, only when you make that decision. When did you come to that realization? And if you haven't made that conscious, public decision to do that, I'm sorry, but you still don't have the one who is greater in you. I'm not judging. I'm just simply saying, this is what the word says. He who is in the world still rules your world if he who is greater than he is in the world is not in you. Real simple. And he who is in the world will rule your world until you place the other one on the throne of your life. You see, the Antichrist don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Do you believe, and do you live on the, the fact, do you believe that Jesus Christ lived on earth, that he died on a rugged cross, was buried and rose again on the third day, that he has ascended to heaven, that he's going to come back? Do you believe that? If you believe that, then there should be a distinctive about your life that says there was a turning point in my life when I said, I believe that, and I, not only intellectually, but I wholeheartedly give my life to that one Jesus Christ who is the Son of God. If you believe that, if you believe those truths, have there been a time when you said, I believe that, And I am willing to be baptized into him so that I might have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit just like his word says. Has there been that day? If there hasn't been, here's some really good news. It can still happen. And maybe there's been a time in your life when you made the turn and now you've reflected back over your life and you realized you're beginning to act a whole lot more like the Antichrist. Oh, you still believe it, but you don't let it affect you. You don't let it affect how you live your life. Maybe today needs to be the day of recommitment, the day of saying, God, once again, I come to you and I turn my life fully over to you. Maybe that's what needs to take place. Father, I thank you that you give to us the opportunity to turn. You give us the the power to turn our life over to you. You give us the power, Father, to be the people who can say, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You give to us the freedom that comes from knowing that our sins have been forgiven. You've given to us your Holy Spirit so that we might have a wisdom to discern truth, to identify that which is untrue. You've given to us the power of the one who is greater, who is in the world. You've given us that power so that we might confront and deal with and overcome the world we encounter. So, Father, to that end, may we today renew our commitment to you. And anyone who needs to make that turn, 
that, Father, that today would be the day. Today would be the day they would choose. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.